This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, October 14th, 2022. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellums. We're going to start this Friday, as we often do, with Michael Tilley in Fort Smith. He's with Talk Business and Politics. Michael, we've got plenty to cover this week, but first, how has your week been? It's been well. It's been well, and I, I do want to apologize to all your listeners out there i feel bad that they have to start off their friday at, at this hour with me but i'll try to make i'll try to make it good well i think many people do enjoy starting off the hour with <laughs> you let's start with um the latest sales figures for homes in the fort smith metro i think you say it's kind of a, a normal reading well it's kind of a getting back to normal um the, uh, these are numbers January through August. And so the metro area, which is primarily Franklin, I mean, excuse me, you know, Sebastian and Crawford County, there are some Franklin, Logan, and uh, Scott, and some East Oklahoma. But two-thirds of the numbers are Sebastian and Crawford County. But the home sales, there were 2,676 home sales in that January-August period in the metro. That was down 7.2%. However, the value of the home sold was a little over $580 million, and that's up 5.3%. Um, Ashley Milton, she's a broker, a realtor with uh, Chuck Fawcett Realty in Fort Smith. She provides these numbers um, to us. And so I talked to her, and her take essentially was that the home sales numbers in so far in 2022, um, they reflect a return to more normal conditions. It's not... She does not see an impending steep market decline, any market crash. Uh, and kind of to, the point to that is um, we have to remember that home sales in all of 2021 were up almost 11% compared to 2020. And 2020 home sales um, were up uh, a little over 13% compared to 2019. So, you know, it, we all know that in that pandemic year, there were a lot of counterintuitive um, economic activity happening where, you know, people kind of recognized that they were going to be locked into a home. So they moved up or, you know, going to have to stay at home, stay with their family at home or work from home. So they wanted a better place. And so there was a lot of home sales activity in those two years. And, um, and that's not just Fort Smith Metro. That's all across the country. So we knew instinctively that double-digit percentage increases couldn't continue. And so I think that's what we're seeing so far in 2022. It's just returning to normal. And Ashley even, um, I kind of got a kick out of this. She said, um, when I was talking to her, she said that many realtors um, are kind of thankful it's becoming less chaotic. And those are, those are her terms. So, um, uh so that I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing in the housing market. And we're seeing it in Northwest Arkansas too, some that steam coming out of the market. Um, I, I will say though, the average home price though uh, continues to rise. The average home price in the metro area was almost $217,000 and that was up 13%. So those interest rates, which remember interest rates are about 3% last year. They're now getting close to 7% this year. So that's also taking a lot of the steam out of the market. $217,000. Wow. Yeah. And so, and remember, uh, you know, the first time that average home prices in Sebastian and Crawford County topped 200000 for the first time was in 2020, last year. So mm. there was a significant, you know, they had hovered around 180000 for years. And then, boom, just up over 200000 in just two or three years. Well, it hasn't exactly been boom. Here's the U.S. Marshals Museum. But, but we're looking <laughs> at a summer opening next summer. Uh, in fact, I think construction on the exhibit spaces is beginning later this month. Yes. I mean, there's some light at the end of the Marshals Tunnel, um, so to speak. Um, just by way of reminder... Um, you know, it was January 2007. I always have to remind myself. That seems like a century ago. Um, the U.S. Marshal Service selected Fort Smith as the site, you know, for this National Museum. Um, 
And so there's this ceremonial groundbreaking that was held in September 2015. They were hoping that the museum would be open shortly thereafter by 16, and then they pushed it to 17. And it was just all fundraising. They were just having trouble raising money. Um, and there are any number of reasons, any number of theories behind that. And I don't want to get into that now, but that 50, the 53,000 square foot museum, though it, it was completed, the shell of the building right. was completed in early 2020. They had some office space that they finished out, but the, the, the bulk, the 20, a little over 20,000 square feet of the exhibit space has just been shell space. So that's what's now uh, under construction. Little Rock Bay CDI contractors um, is doing the construction. There's a group out of Los Angeles called Thinkwell Group. They're handling the experience, what they call the exhibit experience. They're making sure that is built out to the, um, you know, what the uh, museum planners, museum uh, leadership wanted. So, yeah, we're on track for hopefully a summer, next summer opening. They think that by next March or April, it'll be fully completed. And so, um, yeah, it's been a, you know, it's going to be more than what, what is it? 2017, 2023. That's a significant amount of time that it's taken to get it open, but it'll be a great, uh, certainly a great asset to downtown uh, Fort Smith. If you talk about culture and arts in Fort Smith and the Arkansas River Valley in the last few or several decades, the name Stacy Jones has to be part of that conversation. He did so much with season entertainment at UAFS. Sadly, he left us last week. Yeah, I mean, he died unexpectedly um, Saturday, October 8th. Um, he was 70. Yeah, Jones, and, and I think um, he did so much behind the scenes, I don't think people realized how much uh, he did uh, to bring performing arts um, in different type of music and, and productions to the Fort Smith area, to the, both the university campus and the Fort Smith Convention Center, even downtown Fort Smith. There's a quote. We interviewed him a couple of years ago. Uh, Tina Alvey interviewed him in a great story about they had decided to, you know, everything has its run, and they had decided, the university had decided to end the season of entertainment. They were still going to put on productions, but they were just going to have a different strategy. And his quote was, um, performing arts and live arts are important to a community. They are important to the lifeblood of the community. You look around the country at cities that don't have those, and I can tell you right now they are missing a piece of the pie. And so I think that, uh, I think that sums up uh, Stacy. He just he knew how important, you know, you can build buildings, you can put people to work in manufacturing places and, you know, create nurses and train doctors and all that. But, but the performing arts, the live arts, entertainment that, you know, that reaches, I, and he, I think he believed also uh, reaches the soul, um, excuse me, the soul of a community. And also a lot of people don't realize this. He was active and widely known and well-respected nationwide in the pageant community, the Miss America pageant community, um, back in 1978, he converted to West Ark, and his West Ark, which is what the university was then, converted that into to the Miss America system. And then uh, we, I think we all remember Chantel Smith, who was a Miss West Ark pageant winner, went up through the ranks and became Miss America uh, in 1996. So I, I'm not even going to try to explain the breadth and depth of what all he did to bring performing arts but to the community, but... Uh, he leaves quite a legacy, and uh, hopefully we'll have some people step up and and continue that. I suspect it will take two, three, maybe five people to do what he did single-handedly, but I hope they all step up. In 1990, I was getting ready to do the first ever uh, edition of Ozarks at Large that I was going to do, March 1990. Dizzy Gillespie was coming to UAFS. <laughs> I picked yeah. up the phone. Yeah. Stacy Jones wouldn't know me from anybody, and I said— Mr. Jones, I'm from KUAF Radio, and I was just wondering if I could, and he didn't even let me finish his sentence. He said, you want to talk to Dizzy Gillespie? Drive on over, and I'll make sure it happens. <laughs> and he was wow. just such a nice, supportive person, not oh, just yeah. of arts, but of other people. Yeah, you are you won't, you know, I, I've known him since the early 90s also, and 
I don't know. You know, sometimes when you deal with folks as active as he was and doing such big things as he was, sometimes you run into those folks and sometimes they can be a little difficult or whatever. And it's not a bad thing. It's just that they're busy they're busy, and they have a, yeah, and it's a tough job. And sometimes they just run out of patience or whatever. And it happens sometimes. Not with Stacy. I never, ever had a bad experience. He was always yeah. smiling, happy, whether, whether everything was going well or not going well. He was, he was the best. Yeah. Well, you mentioned people carrying the torch, picking up the mantle for arts in Fort Smith, Talisha Richardson helping out one of those people. I mean, the, the, the music, the Levitt, Levitt music uh, series is, is going to continue. Yeah. Just a quick shout out to Talisha Richardson. She's head of 646 downtown of Fort Smith. She has really busted it the last few years and brought this. It's a series of, uh, it's a 10, week summer music series it's through the levitt amp uh the mortimer and mimi levitt foundation and um you know several hundred come to each of these events and it's growing and it'll continue to grow and it's a what i like about it it's just a different genre of music you get all kinds of music stuff i hadn't even heard of or thought about that's so good it exposes people to different forms of entertainment so she has managed that well, and just recently that foundation said, hey, we're going to do this for another three years. So kudos to Talisha and all of her volunteers um, for making that happen. That is, that is another uh, great asset uh, for, the, for the city of Fort Smith. You can read about all of this and much more at talkbusiness.net. You can also read about the Tusk to Tail uh, group, and they're, <laughs> they're going to Provo, and they're going to tailgate, and it's not as easy in Provo as it is other places. It's a fun, a fun read yeah. there. Uh, Michael Tilly, thank you so much for your time. Hey, you're welcome, sir. Always uh, appreciate your uh, questions. In the background is a Louis Armstrong tribute band doing St. Louis Blues. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. Tune in this Friday. We'll hear more from this group as well as Carmen and Tori, Antonio Adolfo, Tony Monica, and Dee Dee Bridgewater. Shades of Jazz right here on 91.3 FM, listener-supported national public radio, KUAF. Shades of Jazz tonight, beginning at 10 on 91.3 KUAF. Then tomorrow morning, beginning at 11 on KUAF 3. KUAF 3 is available on your HD radio, available at KUAF.com, or by just asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. This is Ozarks at Large. This past week, the FBI released the Crime in the Nation report for 2021 using a revised data collection system. Crime has been a topic of conversation among lawmakers, but because the data is incomplete, it paints a blurrier picture of crime in Arkansas and the rest of the country. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports. At the Fayetteville Police Department, Willie Newman has been reporting crimes using the National Incident-Based Reporting System for the last seven years. We just, we just knew it was going to be something coming down the pike. Uh, our software that we use for our uh, law enforcement records management system had that capability, and so we started using it. Newman is the support services manager at the Fayetteville Police Department. In the past, the FBI used two methods to create the Crime in the Nation report. Police departments could report crimes using the Uniform Crime Reporting Program that has existed in some form since the 1920s, or the National Incident-Based Reporting System, which was created in the 1980s. This year, the FBI switched to only using the National Incident-Based Reporting System to gather more data. Emily Jones is the record coordinator at the department, and she says this system provides more information. Um, of course, in my personal opinion, I think that the NIBRS is just a, you just get more data, if you will, instead of the UCR reporting. And I don't know if you know too much of the difference, but you get more of the charges within each incident, whereas the UCR only takes the violent crime. So that was one of the things that they looked at. Um, as far as the better picture of what's going on. Many agencies, like the Fayetteville Police Department, used the system and reported a year's worth of data. 
Also, many did not adopt the new system, and others' data was incomplete. In the natural state, 268 out of 307 law enforcement agencies submitted any data to the FBI, and 35% of law enforcement agencies in the state reported a full year's worth of crime, according to the Marshall Project. Jones says crime reports vary from year to year. I think it kind of ebbs and flows. You'll see it change with the weather. You'll see it change depending upon what time of year it is. You'll see it change whether the students are in school or out of school. So I think there's a lot of different factors that play into it, not just necessarily the maybe growth in population. About 60% of violent crimes are not reported to the police, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. Angelo Brown is an assistant professor of criminology from Arkansas State University, and he says because some crimes are reported more than others, this makes it difficult to measure an area's crime. Yeah, well, altogether, that's a very uh, problematic system, um, depending on what rate you look at. It's we like knowing the vast majority of crimes never get reported in general. Victimization surveys are sent out to residents to gather information if they have experience being a victim of a crime. Brown says oftentimes the numbers in these surveys are higher than what is being reported. You know, a lot of times it's just depending on what community you're part of, sometimes you don't trust the police. So why would you report it? Even if you're a victim, you'd rather you know, get justice yourself or maybe embarrassment um, or shame, especially with like sexual assault and things, or maybe it's a family member. So there's many reasons why people will never even report it. So looking at those numbers, you can't really say something's decreasing and increasing usually. There are some crimes that you could really get a good measure. Number one is homicide. Like every homicide usually gets reported. Brown says in class, they look at the dark figure of crime, talk about experiences and study surveys that go out to people. He says technology has made it more accessible for people to submit a report, but reporting is still an issue. This not only makes crime more difficult to measure and impacts policy decisions, but also for solving the crime. Um, Yeah, without people cooperating, even with all the technology that departments have these days, it's very hard to, you know, get get a a case closed sometimes. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Anna Pope. The fate of the country's first legislative ban on gender-affirming medical care for transgender youth, enacted in 2021 in Arkansas, will be decided at a federal court bench trial scheduled for Monday in Little Rock. Before the ban took effect the summer before last, ACLU and ACLU Arkansas sued the state in U.S. District Court in Little Rock on behalf of four transgender youth, their families, and two physicians claiming the law violates their constitutional rights. Judge James Moody issued a preliminary injunction to block enforcement. The state appealed Moody's decision to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis, where in August, a three-judge panel upheld the injunction. The case is now returned to Judge Moody's court, where defendants are prepared to fight for a permanent injunction. Holly Dixon, executive director of ACLU of Arkansas, spoke at a pretrial press conference yesterday. Arkansas has been and continues to be ground zero for attacks on families and children that are centered on and based in discrimination against LGBTQ people. This latest attempt at a ban is just part of the same old strategy of trying to keep Arkansans and Americans divided so that people with power can stay in power and score political points at the expense of their most vulnerable constituents. The Arkansas ban imposes fines and jail time to medical providers who provide or refer gender-affirming medical treatment to youth under 18. The law also bars state insurance coverage for such care and enables private insurers to refuse coverage for trans people of any age. ACLU attorneys say they are prepared to empirically prove that such care is safe and necessary and not harmful as the state claims. Arkansas parent Donnie Saxton and his transgender son Parker are plaintiffs in the case. We're not activists. Parker just wanted to quietly transition, go about his day-to-day life. And uh, this really gave us something to fight for. And we really felt like we needed to do that on his behalf and behalf of the trans youth everywhere. 
The American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, and American Psychiatric Association are among a host of national and state professional organizations to come forward in the case to confirm research shows denying gender-affirming care to transgender youth can contribute to depression, isolation, eating disorders, self-harm, and suicide. Arkansas PBS will present Election 2022, Arkansas PBS Debates, October 17th through the 21st. The debate series will feature 24 candidates in nine races, including Governor, Lieutenant Governor, Attorney General, Secretary of State, U.S. Senate, and U.S. Congressional Districts. Complete schedule and live streaming information at myarpbs.org elections. Acclaimed producer of classical theater in the U.S., Aquila Theater presents Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice at Walton Arts Center Thursday, October 27th. Full of romance, sophistication, and Regency wit. See the classic tale of the trials and tribulations of the Bennett sisters come to life on stage. Tickets and information at waltonartscenter.org or 443-5600. This is Ozarks at Large. With me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, Shannon Worse. Shannon, how are you? Great, Kyle. How are you doing? Great. I don't know if we've talked, really talked, in some time. It's been a long time, actually, since I've been in the studio. It's nice to be nice to be back here. It kind of feels like the world is anew again. <laughs> yes, and we needed that. <laughs> we did. All right, so before we talk about all the things that are coming up for you, let's talk about about the last couple of years. Yeah. How was it for you? Well, for me, I mean, it's been a time of, of writing and, and reflection like many other people. Um, and I had kind of taken some time off anyway to to be with my youngins um, before the pandemic started. So in a way, it kind of felt like everybody all of a sudden was uh, home doing kind of the same type of stuff that I was doing anyway. So folks, if they haven't had a chance to see you recently, they're going to get three chances in like the next 10 days or so, beginning with the Mount Sequoia show. Right. So Friday up at Mount Sequoia, and I say we are going to be there um, with uh, my band. And it's an exciting show because the uh, awesome Arkansas Arts Council has provided some funding so that kids can get in free to Mount Sequoia. So it's going to be a family-friendly show, and tickets are $12 for adults. And I just love that venue. I don't know if you've gotten to go up there before, but... Well, which venue is it? Because I've seen different shows yeah. at different places on Mount Sequoia. Right. So this will be in Cottage Circle. So it's an out, outside show. And of course, the leaves right now are just starting to turn and be beautiful. So it's a beautiful time to be outside. So you can bring um, picnic blankets and lawn chairs and a cooler and just come enjoy being outside and being around music. All right, so you're going to help me out because I've seen that Cottage Circle yeah. listed before. What exactly is that? Because when I go to Mount Sequoia, I know where I am, but I don't know always know the names. Sure. So if you're driving up to Mount Sequoia, you're going to go in through that main gate. Mm-hmm. And if you just follow that driveway and keep turning to your right, mm-hmm. you're going to turn into Cottage Circle. Um, so it's all the way to the, to the right, and it's the one that has all the cottages outlining the outside of it. Right, right. I know exactly where that is. And so it's an outdoor show for you right. and your band. If it's chilly, does that matter? Well, it's not going to matter to you guys because you're going to bring some blankets <laughs> and um, some hot chocolate and such. Um, we certainly hope it's not too cold because it does make it harder to tell our fingers what to do right. <laughs> if they're too cold. But um, we'll, we'll be all right. Yeah. Friday night. Okay. Cottage Circle, Mount Sequoia. Then Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You and so many other talented people on stage yeah. at George's. Isn't that going to be amazing? It really is. Yes, I'm excited. So um, Saturday night at George's, we're doing a Ladies in the Round. And I've done Ladies in the Round a long time ago back in Fayetteville. And they were super successful, really fun shows. So it's probably been 15 years since I've done a, a Ladies in the Round. So we're going to have some wonderful people, Molly Healy, Patty Steele, Heather Kearney, um, the Grateful Gals. That's just to name a few. Right. Um, so we're going to do different rounds and kind of change everybody up. And then at the end, we're all going to all gonna be on stage together. Just a big shout out to Arlie for this, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> for this sound, sound guy, because it's not the easiest setup for a sound guy. But um, yeah, we've been sending uh, songs back and forth, just trying to get everybody in the know on what we're going to do. But it'll be somewhat collaborative and um, 
you know, it's you, if you have 12 or 15 artists, you can't really all get into one space at one time and get a great practice in. So what you're going to be hearing and seeing um, is just real artistry happening live for the most part. Oh, that's so fun. Uh, don't give away away any surprises, but do you know what you'll all perform together? Have you picked a song or two that you'll all we have. Okay. Yes. We have thrown some ideas out there, and I have not actually heard it. Of course, um, it hasn't been done, but there's been ideas thrown okay. out there. So, yes. And then is it the next weekend you're at the Ozark Natural Science Center? Correct. For yes. For a fundraiser, yeah. For a fundraiser. And it's a weekend-long camp out, a family camp out. And uh, we're going to be playing on Saturday, the early slot. And I'm excited about that. I think that's such a wonderful program that they have out there. And I'm sure um, a, a lot of the families in the area, their young kids have been out there with schools. So this is just an, uh, a time for families to go out there and enjoy what they have to offer. Will we hear new songs from you? I, I hate, will. Oh, I hate to put pressure on a, a no. songwriter, but no, I love that you asked that question because I I have, especially during this pandemic, I've been I've been writing like crazy, and so um, it's nice to be able to work some of this stuff up with the band and be able to share it. And I feel like that gets a little tedious sometimes because you don't want to <clears throat> share songs that people can't find <laughs> online afterwards that they want to hear. So you know, I always try to do a balance of um, stuff people will recognize both from my original material and, and cover songs too but um, I got to keep it interesting too and sure. keep expanding so I always throw new stuff in for every set we do Will it be you and the band at the ONSC? It will actually be playing a duo that day with my good buddy Brad Helms I don't know if you're familiar with him or not but um he is just a he's a, a walking jukebox for one, but he's just a, a great personality and great friend of mine. And he used to play in a band called Charlie Horse here in town. Oh my so, gosh, yeah. so that's how Brad and I know each other because I used to set in with them some, and um, we've just have been having a great time. Yeah, working on songs together. Excellent. So, does it keep it interesting for you? Band one night. All these other talented singer-songwriters the next night, then a duo in a week? I mean, does well, that... that is a great way to put it. It keeps <laughs> me on my toes for sure. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be easy if you just showed up every night and you're doing, <laughs> doing the exact same thing? Um, but that's that's not the way that life rolls a that's lot right. of the time. So um, I'm really grateful for the for the challenge, and it, it definitely keeps me fresh. Where can people find out more about Shannon Worst? Well, shannonworst.com is a good way to go. Um, and also just follow me on Facebook and Instagram. All right. Shannon Worst, Mount Sequoia Friday night, Georgia Saturday night, ONSC next weekend. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Kyle. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review. I'm Pete Hartman. For the better part of three years, nonprofit and community-centered groups have had to curtail their public events. But if this weekend is any indication, those events are back. I had the chance to speak with Matt Paddett and Brett Ellington of Miracle Travel Works. Their annual bicycle poker ride will take place throughout Springdale and Fayetteville tomorrow, Saturday. Uh, what we do is we, we raise money so that we can uh, help families that need to travel to get their children to medical care. Uh, so we cover the, the medical expenses for the, for the children and for the families to get there and, and get, the, get the kids where the best care is. Up to helping multiple hundred families per year. Uh, we gave out our millionth dollar last year, and uh, it's been growing fast. So the, the need for fundraisers like this is growing, uh, growing rapidly as well. Yeah, it's a poker ride. It's a whole lot of fun. We're going to stop at, along the trail, and then you, every rider will get a card. And, of course, the best poker hand wins. We have some great places on the trail. We're starting at Nomad's Trail side. We'll go to Fossil Cove, Columbus House, and then Powerhouse. And we'll end at Prairie Street Live, where there'll be free pizza from Damn Good. That's the Miracle Travel Works poker ride tomorrow. MiracleTravelWorks.org for more on that. Music Moves is back with another community concert, this one featuring the Blind Boys of Alabama on Sunday. I caught up with Anthony Ball of Music Moves earlier this week. Yeah, so so our mission is to infuse black art culture into the Northwest Arkansas uh, community. It's simple that it's simply that, uh, and we do that through performances. We do that through uh, education as well. We have curriculum that's going to the schools, libraries, museums, and other spaces as well too. So this is our opportunity to let people get get a, a wide scope of what we do in the community, uh, and also to support if they feel led as well too. We, we'll have food by eat my Catfish. Uh, we'll, we'll also have the greatest, uh, great one of the greatest blues and uh, gospel groups 
of of our time, uh, the Blind Boys of Alabama as well. You can find out more on that Sunday performance at musicmovesar.org. This past Wednesday, the Trillium Salon Series hosted a live screening with accompanying orchestration of the 1922 silent film Nosferatu. But they'll also have a special performance at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art tomorrow evening. Here's founder and director Katie Henriksen. Oh yeah, it's been wonderful. We have a monthly series with Crystal Bridges uh, where we produce live musical events inside the galleries, right alongside the artwork. Uh, so this one actually I'm super thrilled about because I've loved this this dome, the Buckminster Fuller Dome that's at Crystal Bridges. I've loved it for forever and we're producing it inside the dome. So I have this experimental percussionist named John Mueller who will be coming through and he's partnering with the local musician, Craig Colarusso, who will be playing uh, his clarinets, but also he'll use uh, uh, an amp to amp to do different distortion and things. They're collaborating together um, inside the Buckminster Fuller Dome and that's taking place this Saturday at 4 p.m. at Crystal Bridges. It's free and open to the public. For the latest on what Trillium Salon Series is offering the community, you can always check Instagram. Just search Trillium Salon. And last but certainly not least, Puppets in the Park, a program born from the local nonprofit The Art Experience Incorporated, is back this Sunday at Gully Park in Fayetteville. Here's director Joanne Kaminsky. Started doing puppets and when first night came and we think that our first uh, puppet uh, experience in the large scale was maybe 1998 we think so we've been doing puppets for a long time well it's filled with uh, live puppet performances opportunities for the kids to play with puppets and find puppet voices and put on their own plays uh, for their parents and, and peers. There's uh, crafts, there's live music, there's magicians, Ooh. magic, uh, lots of fun, lots of things to do. That was Fawn Potter, a board member, describing Sunday's event. It all ends with the giant puppet parade, and you can find all the details online at theartexp.org. Fall is just beginning, and you know there'll be many, many more great community events and causes coming up. And you know you'll always hear about them on the Community Spotlight, weekdays at 6.31 and 8.31 a.m., and here on Ozarks at Large. Your voice matters. You can always check for events at our community calendar at KUAF.com. I'm Pete Hartman. You can send me an email. That's Pete at KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. We're 17 days away from Halloween. The Bella Vista Library is getting in the Halloween spirit. Younger patrons of the Bella Vista Library will get treats, not necessarily scared, Saturday, October 29th from noon until 2 at the annual Street Treat event. Candy and carnival games will be spread across the garden, parking lot, and community room. Street Treat is free, open to the public, and intended for all ages. And the Spark Foundation is launching a new Halloween-themed run in Siloam Springs this fall. The Trick or Trot 5K and 1K, also Saturday, October 29th. Young Runners registration fee is on a pay-your-age scale. If you're 11, it's 11 bucks. All proceeds will be donated to Siloam Springs Public Schools. Registration is open now at runsignup.com. Just search for the Trick or Trot Run in Siloam Springs. KUAF is supported by the Museum of Native American History, voted top 10 history museums in the U.S. This free, family-friendly experience is open Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and features a collection of art from all the Americas in a 21,000-year history. Located in Bentonville and on the web at monah.org. 
Rave Cultural Foundation, in collaboration with Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, announces their fall master concert, Flux, a Carnatic Crossover Experience, by Rupa Mahadevan and Company, Shruti Sarati, Dr. Rohan Krishnamurti, and Chris McCarthy. The master concert is Saturday, October 15th from 3 to 5 p.m. An Indian box dinner will be available for $5 each at the end of the show. Tickets are free at tickets.crystalbridges-themomentary.org, but registration is encouraged. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large. The University of Arkansas's jazz faculty will place a performance spotlight on the music of a gigantic figure of music, Mary Lou Williams, tonight. Williams is credited with teaching herself piano at a very early age and supplementing her family's income by playing professionally by age 10. She was a visionary composer who played with, mentored, and wrote with the likes of Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, and Benny Goodman. June Park, an assistant professor of music theory at the University of Arkansas, says he discovered Mary Lou Williams while writing about music with some of his colleagues. Writing an article for a music theory pedagogy journal, and well, the theorists who are interested in jazz would decide to use jazz in the classroom setting. Mm-hmm. So we try to use a non-Western. Uh, we don't really. We want to kind of expand the vocabulary and things like that. And one of the colleagues said about Mary, Mary Lou Williams's apartment. Like her apartment was kind of like the uh, space for innovation. They listened to some contemporary comp- composers like Schoenberg, Stravinsky, or Hindemith. And her friends would get together, listen to it, try some new ideas on the piano, and they give critiques. So all those things, to me, it was, sounds like I want to be in that apartment. So I wanted to kind of recreate that feeling. So I wanted, uh, there's this... Uh, book that he cited. So I, I read the book and that, that section that she that there's a list of composers and her. Uh, and I was like, oh, all those composers I know, except I just didn't know Mary Lou Williams that well. So that's how I got to her uh, work. And I started listening to her. And then she just did so many works. Yeah. And you mentioned those uh, times in her apartment and, mm-hmm. and there are photographs and it's a who's who yes. of contemporary jazz musicians and composers at the time. Right. Hanging and, out with her. Yeah, and she would uh, mentor them. She uh, especially she was especially close with uh, Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell. She hung out with and influenced and mentored many of the famous uh, musicians of the bebop era. But she also had a, a flair for the experimental. She, she worked did. with Cecil Taylor. Oh, yes, oh, very close with Cecil Taylor. But even actually, uh, even her earlier compositions. So uh, I listened to her. Uh, uh, earlier session, what they call the Ash session, uh, it's 1944. It's a style is really old style. If you listen to it, there's like a guitar, like rhythm guitar, like jump, 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 doing that, and then there's a clarinet, like a Benny Goodman style clarinet, really old style. But then I was transcribing this harmony and the melody, and I just realized that, okay, style is an old style, but the harmonies and the way she takes those harmony or how she phrases the whole thing isn't isn't in the style of like old swing era tune. It's already there's some kind of a sign of uh, uh, innovation there. So, uh, uh, for example, yesterday's kisses. It has a very interesting half-step motion, which uh, it goes from uh, E major to F major, just going up a half-step. This reminds me of a much later composition called Nardis. Uh, or even uh, 
Thelonious Monk, well, you needn't. That has like a half step going up kind of motion there. Yeah, so uh, when, I, when I was listening to, uh, when I tried to play them, it's difficult to play. E major is difficult to play in the piano because of the mixture of white and the black keys. But going up a half step and soloing over going up a half step is also difficult. So I was trying to, try to play it. I realized, oh, yes, she is already, already, you know, in the style, in the, in the later style uh, to me. That's how I felt. So Yesterday's Kisses mm-hmm. is, is one of the compositions we'll hear yes. at the concert, right? Yes, we'll play that. And we'll also play in the similar style, Timmy Time. It's just sound fun, it's fun tune. And then we're going to play one of the later style pieces called O to Saint Cecile. And it has, a, it has a funk kind of feel to me. It's like very like that kind of feel with the, the repetitive uh, bass line, which again sounds like a funk music. those three pieces will play uh, in the concert. And when you say we, I mean, mm-hmm. who else will be on stage with you? Oh, it'll be me playing piano, Jake Herzog's playing guitar, uh, Rick Salonen is mm-hmm. playing saxophone, tenor saxophone, uh, Lauren Clare, our vocalist, uh, she is going to sing two of the tunes, uh, drummer Darren Novotny is joining us, and we have a bassist, Garrett Jones. And we have a two student players. One's Evan Wood. He's playing a trombone. Uh, and Max Morrow is playing alto sax. And we have one less faculty, Susumu Watanabe, playing trumpet. Well, I am so happy that this concert is going to happen. And, and thank you for coming in. No, thanks so much for having me. June Park is an assistant professor of music theory at the University of Arkansas. He'll be on stage with other jazz faculty and some University of Arkansas students for tonight's concert dedicated to the music of Mary Lou Williams. It takes place in the Black Box Theater inside the University of Arkansas Global Campus Center just on the corner of the Fayetteville Square. The concert is free. It begins tonight at 7.30. That's more music from Mary Lou Williams. Talked a lot about music on this Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. A lot more music this weekend on KUAF. Friday night shows include Beale Street Caravan, the generic blues show with Paul Kelso and Shades of Jazz with Robert Ginsburg. Then on Saturday night, we've got Jazz Scoop. We have the KUAF Vinyl Hour. If that ain't country, of course, Mike Perky, uh, Mike Shirky's The Pick and Post. And then here's a little hint for you. We have KUAF HD3, so if you ever miss any of our original shows, like Ozark Highlands Radio, when they first air on KUAF, you got a chance on Saturdays and Sundays on KUAF 3 to listen to them. And don't forget, KUAF 2 is 24-7 classical music. You can listen to KUAF 2 or KUAF 3 through your HD radio by asking your smart speaker to play that station, by going to KUAF.com, or by using the absolutely free KUAF app. And... You can also sign up for the KUAF Music Newsletter. It arrives to you once a week for free, giving you highlights of some of the music coverage that we've had on the air, as well as uh, awareness of music events going on throughout the KUAF listening area. To sign up for free, just go to KUAF.com. This week on the KUAF Vinyl Hour, we welcome Matthew Moore, reporter and producer for Ozarks at Large, and a longtime second-generation Tom Petty fan. 
we listen to deep cuts and bask in Petty's ability to write songs that are equal parts despair and defiance, give overdue and deserved praise for the Heartbreakers as a band, and delve into some of the stories that surround their most iconic records. And so they they tell one of their roadie friends, uh, whose name is Bugs, and they say, I need you to hide these tapes. And I need you to not tell me where you hid these tapes. Because if you tell me where I hid these tapes, and they ask me on the stand, do you know where these are? I can't lie. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with Matthew Moore. This week on the KUAF Vinyl Hour, Saturday night at 5 o'clock on KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large with me via Zoom is Courtney Lanning to give us an idea about a new movie. Courtney, welcome back. Hi, all. Thanks for having me. So this week, it's something new, but it's also something old. Yes. Um, and it's before people ask, it's 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 not preparations for a wedding. This is not <laughs> something old, not something new, not something blue or borrowed. Well, there's something um, borrowed <laughs> in this movie. There is. You're right. I take that back. There's a lot borrowed in this movie. Um, of course, the movie we're talking about today is Rosalind, which is coming to Hulu today. And it's a new rom-com. But when we say it's new, that might be a little deceiving because this is nothing new or original. This is a story that we've all seen before. It is a, quote, new spin on an old popular story. In this case, Romeo and Juliet. Um you know, we we love making movies that twist old stories or spin them off in some way. And that's exactly what Rosalind does. It takes Romeo and Juliet, the story that we have all heard and read and seen a billion times. And it focuses the story on Rosalind instead of Romeo and Juliet. And for those of us who don't always have our Shakespeare character list handy, Rosalind is? Rosalind is actually Juliet's cousin. Uh those, those of you who are Shakespearean scholars will recall that Rosalind is in the movie, in the play, in the story, the original, for nary about five minutes. Mm. Uh, Romeo starts out the story hopelessly in love with Rosalind before moving on to Juliet. Uh, it's a rather melodramatic twist that shows us uh, how pathetic of a sad boy Romeo really is. And this movie really paints that picture well. You mentioned Shakespearean scholars. Will they like this movie? Will they recognize anything in this movie? I mean, they'll they'll recognize this movie for sure. Um, the movie overall is kind of a mixed bag. The movie focuses on, you know, after Romeo moves on from Rosalind and starts pining for Juliet, Rosalind's attempts to win Romeo back. It's kind of a, uh, my ex dumped me and I'm trying to win him back kind of story. All the while, there's actually another guy that I'm, slowly falling in love with who is actually a better match for me. Um, tell you the truth, Kyle, I would almost skip this movie because I, I honestly think Romeo and Juliet is overrated. Ooh. I prefer Julius Caesar myself as, as far as Shakespearean plays. Go. Sure. Uh, no, um, I understand. But you, know, but, you know, this film has Caitlin Dever, whom I love, uh, and folks will recognize her from shows like Justified and Last Man Standing and the movie Booksmart that came out just a couple years ago. I love her. She absolutely makes this movie worth watching with her constant drip of sarcasm and wit. So, um, if you're if you're starting with you know a Shakespearean script at least as inspiration, how's the writing? I mean, that's that's a high bar to attain to 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 try to reach. It is, and you know that's the thing when you are taking a well-established story and you're saying I'm going to mix things up. You'd better hope that you have equivalent writing to match, and honestly. Rosalind can be a little inconsistent with this writing. I mean, Romeo and Juliet is considered, you know, one of the most famous dramas of all time. Uh, and it's not because it's written badly. Rosalind right. has a high bar to meet and it doesn't quite meet it. Uh, again, Caitlin Dever is great as Rosalind. She makes the movie worth watching. Her love interest is cool. Uh, they have great chemistry, but the movie never quite figures out what to do with Romeo. Uh, he's a scumbag, but somehow he still ends up with Juliet at the end of the movie. And the film suggests that that's a good thing. So, you know, it's it's kind of here and there. But every time I thought about turning off Rosalind, I remember two things, Kyle. Would you like to know what they are? I would love to know what they are. 
Okay, the two things I remembered when I tried to turn off the movie was first, I was being paid to review it. Uh-huh. And and second, I do so love Dever's roles. She really, I can't emphasize enough, saves this movie. All right, uh, so that's on Hulu beginning today. Full review from Courtney can be found in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. What else is coming out this week? So also opening this week is the film Halloween Ends, which although you and I don't like scary movies and we probably won't watch this one, we have to note this is the conclusion of a new and well-liked trilogy uh, with, of course, bringing back the original characters to play uh, Michael Myers and then they bring back uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Fun fact, the first Halloween was released just a few months after Romeo and Juliet was first staged. Wow. It's that old. It seems. It seems that way. Uh, (laughs) All right. So, yes, I think it's safe to say neither one of us will be watching Halloween Ends. So what will we be talking about next week? Next week, I hope to review a new comedy drama coming to Apple TV Plus starring Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke. It's called Raymond and Ray. I like Ewan McGregor. I like Ethan Hawke, so I'm excited about this. Same here. All right. Courtney Lanning's full review in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney, thank you. Kyle, thanks for having me. Walton Arts Center's 10 by 10 Arts Series presents Aquila Theater's take on Pride and Prejudice, Thursday, October 27th at 7 p.m. Adapted many times for the screen and stage, this production tells the classic tale of the Bennett sisters with a diverse cast and a modern twist. Tickets and information at waltonartscenter.org or 443-5600. The Farm Apprenticeship Program through the Center for Arkansas Farms and Food is dedicated to teaching the next generation of farmers and increasing the number of thriving farms in Arkansas. The program matches apprentice areas of interest with mentor farms, providing real-world farm experience. December 1st is the priority placement deadline for 2023. Information and application at learntofarm.org. KUAF is supported by Butterfield Trail Village, Northwest Arkansas Retirement Community, catering to active lifestyles and resident well-being. Offering a variety of activities, living options, plus outdoor spaces, including access to city trails. ButterfieldTrailVillage.org for more information. This is 91.3 KUAF. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Montanay. Matthew Moore produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Contributors included Anna Pope. Jacqueline Froelich, who delivered news and sound about the trial in U.S. District Court in Little Rock. Michael Tilley, Pete Hartman, and Courtney Lanning. Our general manager at KUAF is Lee Wood. Thank you for being here with us. We'll return Sunday morning at 9 with Weekend Ozarks at Large. Let's make it sort of a Tom Petty weekend. The vinyl hour with Matthew Moore and Lee Wood will place a focus on Tom Petty. We'll end with a Tom Petty song selected by Matthew Moore. You can hear the KUF Vinyl Hour Saturday evening at 5 on 91.3 KUF. I'm Kyle Kellams. Talk to you soon. Thank you.